This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Shannon Paulson, who's an Army helicopter pilot and also author of The Grit Factor. What does it take for women to succeed in a male-dominated world? But before we begin, a few announcements. If you have any questions, comments, or inspirational stories, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also visit the website for career coaching. Uh, We also have uh, online courses that you can take for your resume, also for interview prep. And we have that scholarships guide, of course. And now that's up to $120 million we've surpassed in the scholarships guide. We're really excited about that. It's updated monthly. It's only $10 for a year access. And you probably can get one for free if you use the coupon code PAYITFORWARD. Want to learn a little more about the Pay It Forward program, just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com, click on pay it forward uh, through the generosity of others. They've actually paid it forward so you can get one for free or at least a a year access for free. Really excited about that. And don't forget to also uh, sign up for our YouTube videos. All those, the interview course that we're doing, we release one of those videos every week where we take one question from our interview course and put it out there. The last one we did was, uh, when do you start your descent? And we talk a little bit about the three to one rule. So it's a lot of fun. We ask the question first, let you try to figure it out for a second or two. And then we go into explanation and give other examples. Well, on with the show. And again, today we have us uh, Shannon Polson, who's a Army helicopter pilot and also author of The Grit Factor, What Does It Take for a Woman to Succeed in a Male-Dominated World? Welcome to the podcast, Shannon. Thank you so much, Carl. It's great to be with you. Yes, awesome. I really, I like what I've read so far. I know it's a future date that it's going to be published, but really exciting book, and you have just an incredibly exciting life, uh, and you've been through many trials, and you've truly succeeded, and that's one of the reasons we we have you on here today, is I think that during this time especially, we're, we're finding that we are, are going through many struggles, uh, both either financially, physically, in our careers, et cetera, but by just having that resilience, that grit, I think people can can persevere and get through this. Uh, but before we talk about that, let's talk a little bit about your aviation career and your uh, your passion for aviation, how that got started, and uh, and how <laughs> you turned out to be one of the, one of the first uh, women to fly an Apache helicopter. So tell us a little bit about uh, background on the on the aviation side of things. Yeah, sure. Well, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, and you you probably know, and I bet most of your listeners know as well, that there's a, a huge amount of private aviation in Alaska. And so had been exposed to quite a bit of it just from growing up and spending a lot of time uh, in the mountains and doing adventures. And so that had always been something that had been of interest to me, but it's not something that I had had the opportunity to spend time on as a young person. And then when I arrived at, uh, I went to Duke University from Alaska, which was, I still like to say, the biggest culture shock of my life, um, and was an Army ROTC at Duke and had a particular kind of scholarship called the Simultaneous Membership Program Scholarship with the National Guard. And part of that scholarship requirement was to drill with an act, uh, with a unit while you were in school for the last two years. So I was part of first of the 130th Aviation uh, out of Raleigh, North Carolina, and had the opportunity then, and then the units were mixed. So there were Blackhawks and 58s and Apaches uh, in that attack aviation unit and had a chance to really 
see a little bit about how aviation worked and and how the units worked together and um, and just fell in love with it. You mentioned Alaska. Boy, it is really such a key part of life in Alaska. Aviation is. I think, what do they say, like one out of every three people is exposed to aviation or something like that? I mean, it's just you can't, you almost need it to be able to to get around anywhere outside of the main cities. There's only a couple of couple of main roads and the rest is served by air primarily. So yeah, absolutely. It's a huge part of life there. And you've been really fortunate to be exposed to that early on. Um, but, you know, one of the things that you did, you went on to the aviation in the Army. And w- as far as Army aviation, you're out there up front and center uh, flying in some very challenging environments. But we're not going to just talk about that. One of the things we mentioned is you were one of the first females to fly an Apache helicopter. You know, I'd like to think about that must be incredibly rewarding, but there also must have been some challenges along the way. Talk a little towards that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the stories that I like to tell, and this is um, going to really the first chapter of the book, and and just to give a quick overview, by the way, of the grit factor, because I'll refer to it again and again. It's not just my story. I, I served for eight years in the military after uh, finishing ROTC and led two flight platoons in a flight company on three different continents. Um, but I had a young lieutenant who was just getting ready to start flight school at Fort Rucker reach out to me and asked if I would be her mentor. And this was just maybe six years ago. And I realized, wow, like I've been out of the military for a long time. I went through business school. I've been in the corporate world. Um, so how can I scale the information that I'm able to provide to her? And, you know, I, I served for eight years or others that serve much longer and, and have very different experiences than this initial integration. And so that was really the genesis of what became the GRIT Factor, what became actually the GRIT Institute with training and GRIT and leadership as well, um, that was started out by interviewing dozens of other leaders in the vanguards of their fields. They happened to be women. Many of them happened to be pilots uh, across the services. And so to back up a little bit to that very first chapter of that book and the first part of the training, I really talk about owning your story. And the reason is, as a young person, I think I was very lucky to be told that I could do anything that I wanted to do. There were no restrictions on what I wanted to do. And and then I graduated from Duke in 1993, and I was getting ready to graduate. I went to the state aviation office to receive my assignment for the years ahead. I reported to the state aviation officer, and I don't recall his name, but he was a colonel, so probably you know late 30s, and I have just turned 21, and I'm not yet commissioned. I'm not yet even graduated. And I remember almost shaking, standing at attention, and it seemed like he was behind a desk that was as wide as a room and had shiny plate glass windows going up behind him. And he asked me to have a seat. And we exchanged a couple of sentences back and forth before what I'll never forget when he leaned back in his chair mid-sentence and said, you realize, cadet, that you will never fly an attack aircraft. And I looked back at him and I recognized his comment for what it was meant to be, which was small and mean and cutting because in the spring of 1993, attack aircraft weren't open to women to fly. It actually hadn't occurred to me. But I said, yes, sir. And then I think probably like anybody who goes into aviation, uh, that lit a fire in me (laughs) because I don't like to be told that I can't do something. Uh, And I went back to the ROTC detachment on the campus of Duke University and I requested a transfer out of the National Guard and onto active duty. And then later that spring, Congress changed the game on the colonel and the entire military system, lifted the combat exclusion clause, and suddenly every aircraft in the inventory was then open to women and men to fly. So I reported later that year to Fort Rucker, Alabama, graduated uh, honor grad 
grad from Officer Basic Course and the Initial Entry Rotary Wing Course and earned and requested and was given a transfer into the Apache. So I tell you that story because there, there, you you bump up against that, and I was not, I wasn't really prepared for hearing. Look, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get to do this, and that was, of course, just the beginning of of a journey where there were, there were other uh, interesting encounters that were similar. So looking at that experience, you had this, this almost like a slap in the face. You weren't expecting it, but you, you have two things that you can do. You can stop or you can move forward. And uh, you wound up moving forward and not taking, you know, no for an answer. You actually changed what you were doing. You pivoted in the correct direction. It's actually shocking. You said the year that you said it just, uh, I think to most people now, can't realize it. What that wasn't very long ago that 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 was not allowed for women to be in that that position in the military, and I'm sure other positions too. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And of course, since then we've seen a lot of other areas of the military open up. Actually, most of them, and um, some, several of those women are part. Several of those leaders are part of the grit factor. One of the first women Army Rangers who also is an Apache pilot. Actually, her father was an Apache pilot and instructor at Fort Rucker. Um, and a number of, of early fighter pilots. I actually interviewed one of the WASPs from World War II, which was just spectacular. So we got those multiple generations. And I will say in terms of like owning your story and making that decision in that moment or in any of the given moments that would follow, which becomes increasingly difficult, right? Because it's it's there's this constant uh, pushback. And, um, and I think one of the things that I recognize now that I'm so grateful for is that these stories – Women don't tend to tell their stories as much, but now we do have access to those stories. And part of the reason for writing The Grit Factor was to bring these stories of these people who pushed through this um, resistance in addition to doing these incredibly difficult tasks and, uh, and to bring them to people because I think women tend to be a lot more modest about their accomplishments. Um, but, you know, those World War II wasps, we didn't know, I didn't know about them in 1993. We didn't have the internet, if it's even possible to comprehend that anymore. But it's important to tell and share those stories, I think, in those experiences. So it, I think we all gain strength from that. We sure do. And I love the stories that uh, are told through the wasps and that inspire future generations. Interesting what you said, though, about, uh, I think a lot of people in general are humble. And I think too, some women kind of suppress their story because they really don't want to talk about it. I know, uh, you know, my wife who was in the military, she had only a few things available to her. Uh, this is going back, uh, back in the eighties, early eighties. And, uh, interestingly, she really didn't want to talk about certain things that happened. And I think now you're starting to hear those stories, which is, is good because it helps the other females that are out there to realize they're not alone. That's right. Exactly. I think that's really important. And the other part of it too, I think for the men is to understand, and many men do understand this, but there are still plenty that don't, that, um, hey, their, their team is going to be made better if they enable the maximum contribution from every single member of their team, man or woman, or any, you know, purple, <laughs> whatever. Right. So uh, every person has the opportunity to contribute their gifts. And when you do that, a team is stronger. And I think that uh, for those men that it's taking a little bit longer to, for them to understand, it's good for them to see that all of these players have incredible contributions to make. So this is 2020. You're talking 1993. This conversation is still relevant. It is. You know, it's actually crazy. I talk to companies across the, literally across the country and around the world. And sometimes because I live in this space of bringing these stories to light, I think, gosh, you know, it's 2020. Is it is it getting to be less important to tell these things? And I have people come up afterwards, actually men and women come up 
literally with tears in their eyes saying, thank you so much for sharing this. Thank you for sharing these, these lessons and these takeaways because either they need to hear it or somebody on their team needs to hear it or they're going through this time where they're really struggling. And um, so, yeah, it's absolutely still relevant today. It, it's crazy to me that it is, but it absolutely is. You know, right before this interview, I was with a gentleman who works with collegiate uh, students in the Army and also through aviation, and he was so excited that you were coming on. And one thing he asked me to ask you is about, uh, you know, what would you tell somebody who's in that arena, in that collegiate, just getting started arena that's a, that is a female that's looking towards a career in aviation or in, in Army aviation in general? Uh, you know, what would you tell them as far as starting out, what they can expect as far as the challenges and what to do to move forward? Yeah, that's a, a really excellent question. And I will tell you the first thing I would do, and this is not just the plug for the book, but it's the reason that I wrote The Grit Factor. So I would say start with The Grit Factor, read The Grit Factor, connect yourself to those stories of other people that have overcome really challenging circumstances. And uh and then really spend the time to do the work on your own story and understand why it is that you're you're making the, this choice and connect to the core purpose that really drives you. And that early internal work, which is core values, core purpose, owning your story, it's not something I either did or could have articulated back then, but it's something that I wish somebody had kind of led me through. I think people are doing a little bit better with that kind of thing today. Um, but I really would. I mean, I wrote The Grit Factor, not just for people starting out, also people transitioning or facing any kind of challenge. It's also not just for women. It's for men and women facing challenges. But um, but I truly wrote this book for those people. So I hope that they will start with that. And then the first part of the book, the first part of the training at the Grit Institute, which is called Going for Grit, which really goes hand in hand with the book, although either can stand alone, is doing that deep work, that deep internal work. And then it'll lead you through as well. The first phase is commit. And it's really making that commitment to what it is that you've taken on and doing that internal work. The second phase of three is learn. The third phase is launch. And in the learn phase, we talk a lot about building your team and drawing your circle, which is critical to have the people that support you in your journey and to really identify who they are and how you work with them. Um, we talk about learning how to listen, which I think is uh, the most unappreciated leadership skill and whether you're a leader or a follower, perhaps the most important thing. Uh, and we talk about the art and the science of that. And then we talk about building resilience and grit. And this is borrowing aspects from the Army's Master Resilience Training Program, which is all University of Pennsylvania, positive psychology based, you know, multiple decades of research. But there's some very tangible, specific things that you can do to build this resilience and build this grit just like a muscle. Uh, and then finally, in the launch phase, we talk about audacity, authenticity, and adaptability. And those are all keys to success in every single leader that I interviewed that made a career out of, of what her work was. So yeah, I, I would strongly commend it to them. And uh, and with my pleasure. I actually have that in the introduction uh, as part of the acknowledgement as I'm writing this for those young people. Writing for those young people directed, but something that we can use for everybody as an example of how to persevere. And, and like you said, the, the grit factor is, is it's a process. It's uh, it's something that I think we, we all can actually learn from. And I think that's what's terrific about it. Actually, I can't wait to read the rest of it and, uh, and, and, and live that. I mean, that's, and that's really what we do here, you know, on the podcast is tell people to live that and integrity is incredible. You talk about that in the book, integrity is incredibly important. And one of the things that I think that all of us can glean from this is the fact that it is a constant process. Just like you said, you, sometimes you have to change direction and move forward. 
Yeah. And, you know, I actually had a, a, the mom of a young man who's, who's going through his private pilot training and instrument rating, um, who's really struggling with it and, and asking for some advice. And, you know, I, I, it would be the same advice. And I gave him the same advice that I just mentioned to you. Uh, I also hope he'll read the grit factor, but, um, but, it, but the aviation career is a, uh, I mean, there's a lot of work, right? There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of studying, there's a lot of application and it, and it takes a long time. And that does require that, that, ability to push through challenges, no matter if, even if everybody's supporting you, it's still a challenge, right? So I think that is, and it's an ongoing uh, effort and an ongoing commitment. And that's where I think people realize today is that this is not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We talk about that. We, we truly are, if you're going into whatever career it is, it doesn't mean if it's aviation or not. If you're going into it for the money, it's the wrong reason. Uh, if you're going into it because you have a passion and interest in it, then you truly will probably succeed. And sometimes, uh, admittedly, we find out that we have a passion for something because we go and we discover it. And I think it's what's, you know, they call it, talk about the discovery flight. I think all careers should have that discovery flight where they get to, you know, take a child to work and that, those type of things. So in, in the grit factor, do you talk a little bit about that? Because sometimes we don't, you know, this is truly a, a serendipitous journey, this life we're in. And do you talk a little bit about, hey, you get to a point and realize, hey, this isn't my passion. That is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, you know, and I was a commissioned officer in the military. And so what that means is that flying doesn't get to be your focus for more than really your company grade years. And that became pretty apparent to me as a mid-grade captain. And I would say both my own experience as well as several others who at various points made decisions to move on. It really was part of going back to this core purpose that drives you. And, uh, and I walk people through a, a, a core purpose exercise. It's, it's going well beyond the why. I will tell you that. You can start with why, but that, that doesn't go nearly far enough. Um, and realizing that, that service was, was one of my areas of core purpose for sure. And, um, and then realizing, though, that this, this aspect of creativity was a piece that I had not had any opportunity at all to develop and that was really missing. And again, I don't know that I could have articulated it in that way when I left, but, um, but there are others who had that same process who realized, hey, I'm getting into something now where I'm doing something different or I don't feel passionate about it. And, and you know, we're all, it's not that we're going to be in love with what we do every single day. There's nobody in the world that, that has that experience, I don't think. And if they do, they're, they're one in a million and they're very fortunate. But so you certainly push through those periods. But I think when you realize that you're in the wrong place, it's not just that, that the circumstance is hard. It's not just that you're working for someone you don't like. It's that you're actually in the wrong place. You're not able to make your maximum contribution uh, then it then it might be time to move on, and that's okay too. And that's really important what you just said because it's time to move on because you have a choice. You can do nothing or you can take action. And I think in true we we really want or the grit factor. We truly want people uh, to take action, right? Well, that is, and that's the idea in this that final phase of launch. And I, I put it under the the heading of audacity. That's the chapter head and also the training head. And and part of that is I think. When we talk about that in, in the context of either making a change or making the leap into aviation or something else, that does require a bit of a leap, and that is a risk. And I think one of the things that's pretty clear in leaders who are successful in their lives and in their careers is that they're willing to take risks, that they understand that risks mean that sometimes they're going to fail, and that ultimately it's not failure that matters, it's what you do with it that counts. And I think anybody that is going to be on a road to success is has to be willing to, to push themselves, to, 
to go out on the limb, to really, really take the risks and, uh, and know that they're going to fall and they just have to get up one more time than they fall. And that's part of any, any meaningful journey. Taking those risks, I, I know we right now, especially with this, we're talking about COVID, uh, is that they're afraid to take risks and changing careers, et cetera. Well, you know, one of the things you have to realize, there's risks all the time throughout the risks that we see, risks we don't see. Uh, but don't be afraid to move forward, right? And don't be afraid if you do move forward, have a contingency plan too. I think that's very important, correct? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think that is part of this whole audacity and adaptability as we've and and this is I mean, this time that we're living right now requires adaptability like very few of us have ever seen. Maybe none of us really have ever seen on such a, on a quite literally a global scale. And I think that does require, um, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about a, a different institution. And we said, you know, there's some people that are responding with like, oh my gosh, this thing is happening. We're just going to have to kind of just hunker down. And there's other people that say, you know what, this is happening and we've got to figure out something else. And then if that doesn't work, we're going to figure out something else. And I quite frankly, can't understand the former perspective. The latter perspective is really the only way that I've ever understood uh, to, to move forward. And, and it is in fact, the only way to move forward. So you've got to be willing to, to kind of roll with it and try things out. And when they don't work, then try something new. Yeah. The second perspective is someone who is truly uh, successful, no matter what they do in life. The others are, are kind of might be failing often because of that, that perspective. And, and if they just shift it, they can move forward and succeed. And I, I think that's why the, I, this is a great book for somebody who's in that, in that mode, right? Especially right now. Uh, you know, I do, I coach a lot of folks that are, are are really having a lot of angst right now. But I tell them that the most important thing as far as persevering is to continue moving forward. Don't just get stuck and stop. I mean, you really you really can't do that to yourself psychologically, in your career, in many different aspects of your life. And that's something that I kind of gleaned from the outline in your, li- in your uh, book here. Uh, really excited. Can't wait to actually read the rest of it. But uh, uh, again, oh, by the way, we didn't mention, when is the book coming out? Yeah, the book is out September 8th. I'm so excited. I just received my box of the hard copies, but otherwise it'll hit bookstores and everywhere else on September 8th. If you're doing an organizational event, you can actually order in advance from the publisher and it can arrive, I think, uh, in advance of September 8th. But otherwise, pre-orders are available you know, at your local bookstore, at Barnes & Noble, at Walmart, and at Amazon, anywhere books are sold. So the pre-orders help a lot. They help kind of elevate the profile of the book. And so I'm much appreciative of anyone who's willing to, to take the risk and <laughs> do the pre-order. Shannon, a lot of people on this podcast, about a third of our listeners, are people that aren't looking at aviation from a perspective of a career that is going to be flying. A lot of folks want to get into other aspects of it, and they look towards this podcast for inspiration. Maybe they want to go into leadership, maintenance, that type of thing. How can this book help those? Yeah. And I think part of that is, um, you know, the, the people that I interview for the grit factor are not all aviators. So there's probably about a third of them who are, um, two thirds who are not third to a half. Uh, and so I think one of the things that you do when you do that initial core work that I talked about in that phase, one of the training part, one of the book is this initial core work and what's your passion, you know, what it is your passion, but what's your core purpose, what really truly drives you. And I will say that that 
will help to broaden, I think, the opportunities within a given field. And so when you're looking at aviation from multiple angles, if your passion is aviation, it can help you to understand that, hey, this this might be one road, but this might be another road as well. It still connects to that core purpose. And maybe if this road, you know, has a takes a little fork down here, I can move in this direction because I'm still connected to that core purpose. And doing that deep internal work really allows you to maneuver, I think, within the given field quite a bit. Um, it's not going to help you determine which direction to go, but I do think it will help to give you the tools to be able to discern what is most meaningful for you and also how to make changes when you're ready to make those changes. And I'm I'm excited to hear back from your listeners on on how that does actually apply for them. Most importantly, what you mentioned, that's a great tool and it provides people with tools. So really, I'd highly recommend people looking towards this, the grit factor that both the book and, and also everything else you do. Um, anything else as far as, you know, what you can, what people can glean from this book? If uh, Is it something that you can read and give to, you know, what age ranges and that type of thing would you look towards? You know, this is written to be appropriate for anybody. I think high school and up. I don't know that you'd probably go too much younger than that, but um, there's a couple of references to things that are more adult, but a high schooler would probably be exposed to. Uh, And again, for the most part, it's about really giving you the tools. And there are exercises actually at the end of each chapter to help to really internalize those tools. And again, that goes hand in hand with the training at uh, the Grit Institute as well, which is at thegritinstitute.com. But you know, one of the things I'd love to leave uh, with your listeners is I'm hearing from a lot of people right now, and it sounds like you are too when you're coaching, that that people are are tired. They're, there's a deep sense of fatigue. And I think part of that, um, one of the stories that's told in the Jim Collins Good to Great, which is a you know business classic, but is the story of Admiral Stockdale in Vietnam. And he was a prisoner of war, of course. He was a pilot, a uh, prisoner of war for se- over seven and a half years, horribly tortured, legs broken many times in solitary confinement. And when they asked him at the end, who who lived and who died? And he said, well, the people that died, that's easy. It's the optimists. And it's so interesting because I believe optimism is critical to your success. You have to know that whatever happens, you pivot, you change course, you change approach, you change direction. And we do that in the air as well, right, as, as aviators. Um, but the thing that I like to think about with, with grit is that it's really part of the whole person development. And there is a tempered optimism or a grounded optimism that is critical to your success. And so like Admiral Stockdale said, the people that died are the ones that said, well, we'll be out for sure by Easter. Right. And you hear people now saying, we'll have a vaccine by September or October. And you know, if that doesn't happen, it's crushing, it's devastating because they've, they've built their entire framework around that. So instead of doing that, what I suggest to people right now is to set shorter term goals. We don't know what the horizon looks like. We're definitely flying IFR, but there's nobody, but we're, we're out of radio contact, right? And so you've got to set shorter, ter- I, can't, I can't continue this metaphor actually for the shorter term goals, but, but you've got to set shorter term goals and celebrate them, maybe even weekly, and maybe then look ahead for something three years from now, which is realistic, I think, for most of us, and say, hey, we're going to do a family vacation somewhere special. And let's start to plan that and read about that. Um, so you can generate excitement and also get past this kind of fatigue that's really crippling for a lot of people right now and this this anxiety. So shorter term goals and a grounded optimism, I think, are critical to success in this kind of a climate right now. I agree with you more. That's uh, very, very true. 
Shannon, this has been awesome having you on. And uh, uh, if anybody wants to find those links that she talked about, you can go in the show notes and aviationcareerspodcast.com. Look at the bottom there. We also have all the past podcasts there. And it's it's wonderful having people like yourself on that, especially during these times, uh, to move forward and to help people move forward in their lives and their careers. And you can do that by getting this book, uh, The Grit Factor, coming out shortly. Uh, it's uh, really appropriate to everybody i think anybody moving no matter if it's your career your personal life etc it's something that i think is is really important and, and will be i can't wait to read like i said the rest of it uh shannon this is so awesome having you on i really appreciate your coming here today any last words just thanks so much for having me carl it's really an honor to have a chance to connect with you and your listeners and i look forward to hearing from your listeners about what they think of the grit factor Awesome. And we will do that. If you have any questions, of course, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. And you can actually find many of the different conversations we have about this, about uh, making it through adversity, that type of thing. Also, I highly recommend you you look at all the different books, podcasts, and everything else out there that will help you move forward in your career. But definitely check out Shannon's book, and it's coming out shortly. Also, don't forget to check out, you know, right Right now you can take action through the Grit Institute, and really taking action is so important. And as you know, uh, as we wrap up in this podcast, the most important thing that you can do for me, you the listener can do for me, is that you take action. You know, take a step today to move forward in your life and your career. It doesn't have to be something that's really huge. It can be something small. It can be re- researching this book by Shannon. It can also be going out and researching the next step in your career. It might might just be reading. It might just be calling somebody. It might be writing down a to-do. It can be something really small. It can be something really big. But please do something today to move forward in your career and your life. We'll talk to you in the next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.